The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. you 
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. It was a beautiful, scandalous night when Jesus Christ went to the cross for you and for me and shed his blood that I could be brought into the heart of God, changed, transformed, made new, That's what he's done for us. That's what he's done for you. I want to ask a question today. And that question is, what is sin? What is this vile thing that has separated us from our God? I've asked that question of Quite a few. And almost everyone answers it the same way. Sin is the transgression of the law. That's what First John says. Others say sin is rebellion against God. And that's equally true. But what is the heart of sin? I've been writing many thank you notes to the many of you who have been giving to Pilgrim's Progress for the work of the gospel. I want to read to you what I'm writing to each of those donors. I'll read what I'm writing to to one of our donors. Dear, and then the name of the person, Every day I teach that sinners will be endlessly punished if they die in their sins. I teach that without the Holy Spirit you cannot be reconciled to Jesus. Every day I teach that the steps to be saved are to, one, confess and renounce all known sin, two, Believe on the name of Jesus and be crucified with him. And three, obey without excuse his commands. Those are the simple, beautiful teachings that the Holy Spirit has commanded me to give. But that first one I've had to stop at that sinners will be endlessly punished if they die in their sins. Why such wrath against sin? If sin is simply rebellion against God, couldn't God deal with a little bit of rebellion? If your child rebels against you, you don't kill him. You love him. So what's going on that that if we rebel against God, we will die eternally in the fire of hell and suffer endless torment? What is it about sin that so concerns our Lord 
that he would die on the cross for our sin. We've got to go much deeper than we've gone before and understand what is the heart of God. Now, it's true. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is breaking the law. But it's much more than that. Now, as we begin on Pilgrim's Progress today to talk about that, we need to take a moment and pray. Lord Jesus, I'm asking that you would uncover for us the truth about sin, the vileness of it, the result of it, and why you so strongly opposed it that you were even willing to die for those who would sin. The most extreme act that you could take to save us. Lord, thank you. Now open our eyes and our hearts as we open the scriptures and give us revelation knowledge about this issue of sin. I pray in your holy name. Amen. God said, Genesis, the first chapter, verse 26. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful, and increase in number, and fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over it. Rule over it. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Chapter 2, verse 2, And by the seventh day God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Then we find in chapter 2 that God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. I want you to note, man did not create man. God created man. And it is the breath of life that belongs to God that inhabits a living soul. Verse 8, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, the east in the Hebrew means a place of new beginning. In Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life 
and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the command of God was that they should work to keep it in bondage. Have you ever seen a, a garden that no one's weeded and it all grows up in brambles? God was saying, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Literally in the Hebrew, to cause it to serve, to tame. He was to take care of the garden. That is, he was to put a hedge around it to protect it, to take heed of it. And Adam did not do that. He allowed the serpent to enter the garden when he should have driven the serpent out. But he allowed the serpent to come in. Now they were not to eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because on the day they ate of it, God said, you will surely die. Well, what could that mean? Well, they had no life in themselves that belonged to them. The life in them belonged to God. He had breathed into them his breath of life. So they were an extension of Almighty God. They were made in his image, and they were an extension of him. So God is literally saying, look, if you eat of that tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will cut your tie to me. And if you cut your tie to me, the life that I've given you will run out. You will die. So life was only possible as long as this breath of God remained in them, and God is saying, look, when you do this, when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will sever the tie between us. And your life will all run out like a battery. There will be no more charging of the battery. And your energy will finally end and you will return to the dust. For from dust you were taken and to dust you will return. Don't cut the tie between us. Now, chapter 3. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? He's using irony. He's, he's using a literary device that, that we know very well. He's saying things are not in reality what they look like to you. So God, did he really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? No, of course not. Satan has come with a lying question. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it 
or you will die. You will not surely die. He lied. The serpent said this to the woman, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Why would we want in any manner to know evil? Why? God said his creation was good. He didn't say it was good and evil. So somehow... Evil and sin go together. They glom onto each other. Sin is evil. Evil is sin. They become one. And so the devil is saying, Look, woman, you can be like God. Well, the lie is, it's already revealed. The fact is, they cannot be like God because they don't have life in themselves. Life is an extension of God to them. And if they cut the line between themselves and God by touching the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they will die. What I want you to hear today and hear very clearly is that God does not set in the heavens as a wrathful God waiting to squash you like a bug. That's not who God is. First John tells us that God is love. He is the personification of love. Everything he does is out of love. He doesn't do anything out of hate. He doesn't do anything out of revenge. Every action God takes flows from his heart of love. Now, the judgment is called a strange act of God. The destruction of the wicked is a strange act of God. But I want to tell you, and I'm going to unfold it for you now, and as we go through this week, the destruction of the wicked flows out of the love in God's heart. That's hard to grasp but I want you to understand. The woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and she took some, and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, one of the characteristics of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is that it does not want to walk alone. It always wants to draw in others and have them take the same action they've taken. That is a characteristic of evil. It doesn't want to be alone. The devil did not want to be alone. The devil wanted others to begin to join in with him in saying, God is not fair. God has lied to you. Now, you must make a very clear distinction in your mind between the devil and God. Life is in the hands of Almighty God. The devil does not have life in himself. He, too, 
cut the tie with God. And the result will be that he will be cast into the eternal pit of fire and be tormented forever and ever. We need to be very clear. We have no life in ourselves. That life is found in the Lord God of heaven. So sin, first of all, is cutting the tie with God. It is rejection of the Holy Spirit. It is saying, I will be God. I will determine for myself what is right and what is wrong. Problem with that is that I'm not God. Now I want you to see what happens. The first thing Eve does after she eats the fruit is she entices her husband to do the same thing. And immediately they discover that they're naked and they're filled with shame. Why? Because they have cut the tie with God and they have no life in them and they are now facing death. And they look at each other and they look with shame. Now God comes, as he always did, walking in the garden in the cool of the day to court Adam and Eve. It was God's plan that finally Adam and Eve would become his wife, his bride. This is Jesus who comes walking in the cool of the day, Colossians, the first chapter, Hebrews, the first chapter. The Gospel of John, the first chapter. Jesus is the creator God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, Jesus created the heavens and the earth. So the Lord called to man. Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now notice the first characteristic of the man. After he allows his wife to seduce him into cutting from God, he said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. God, it's the woman's fault. So now we begin a blame game. And notice, the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you've done? And the woman says, The serpent deceived me. It wasn't my fault. The serpent deceived me. This is the first characteristic of what happens when a man is separated from God. He sees he's naked. He's ashamed. And he begins to blame he begins to include others in his wickedness, in his evil. And as he begins to include others in that evil, God has to deal with it. 
And so God set some very clear parameters. She's going to give birth with great pain. She is going to belong to her husband. He will rule over her. The snake is cursed, and the ground is cursed. Now the first promise comes in Genesis 3.15. I will put hatred between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, but you will strike his heel. This is the first promise of a Messiah. That Messiah was necessary because now there is a separation between God and between Adam and Eve. And the characteristics that begin to emerge immediately, we will now begin to trace the history of what happens when a man or a woman is separated from God. Immediately, the separation grows. The distance becomes greater. God created Adam and Eve in his own image. He created them to become his wife and their offspring. He created them to have fellowship with himself. He created them in his own likeness. But they have now said, no, we will not We will not obey you, God. We want to become gods. And as soon as they made that decision, and through seduction, they cut themselves off from God. Now, you cannot understand sin if you do not understand that sin is separation from God. You cannot be one with the Lord God of heaven and walk in sin. We were made to be victorious over all sin. We were created and we were saved at the cross to not be involved in the devil's kingdom, but to walk in victory and peace and love and joy God never meant for us to live in this horrible world where Satan rules and wicked, evil men and women destroy everything good. Bottom line, sin is a rejection of God and of his love. Sin is a determination that I am God. I spoke with a direct descendant of Aaron, of the high priest family. And I said to him, Do you believe in God? He said, Of course I do. I'm God. I'm as good as it gets. He totally rejected the idea that there was a a sovereign being ruling over the universe. I said to him, you have my greatest pity. 
you cause in me the greatest sorrow because I know what's going to happen to you if you don't turn from your wickedness. He didn't like that, but he heard me. He didn't throw me out of his office. But it ended our conversation about whether there was a God. Now, I want you to see some things. We have now in the scripture thousands of years of data showing us what happens when a person is cut off from the stream of life in God. We have adequate evidence to base our decision on regarding what happens when a man or a woman sins against the Most High. That is, when a man or woman cuts the tie and walks under the devil's power. And of course, we were all born after our kind. We were born after the kind of Adam as a fallen man, as a sinner, with the inclination to sin. And all men have sinned against the Lord God of heaven. So the Lord made garments for them out of the skins of animals, which meant that now animals had to die. And their skin had to be made into a garment. The Lord God said in chapter 3, verse 22, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And he drove the man out. He placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden a cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. They were kicked out of their home. They were blocked from eating from the tree of life. And now their life was to run down into nothingness. Adam lay with his wife, chapter 4. She became pregnant. She gave birth to Cain. And Cain, and then Abel. And Cain grew angry because God had not accepted his sacrifice, his offering. And the Lord spoke with Cain. He said to him, Why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? Now, I want you to hear something clearly. There is an, a wrath that comes from God that is out of a heart of love. There is an anger that flows out of evil, however, that has nothing to do with love. It has to do with demanding my way. It has to do with consuming what I desire and being respected in the way I demand. Now let's be very clear. There is a wrath that flows from God against evil 
and against those who do evil. And there is an anger of the heart of man because he doesn't get his way. God's wrath is centered around his loss of his love, his children. It is out of a concern, not for himself, but a concern for his children. It is a concern for his angels. It is a concern for the many universes. It is a concern for the kingdom that provides a safe place for created beings. I want you to hear that God's wrath always flows against sin from a heart of love. The sinner's anger always flows because he didn't get what he wanted. Because someone did something stupid. Because someone didn't meet your expectations, and so there is screaming, there is yelling, there is division, there is brokenness, there is heart-rending. And it flows out of evil. So the Lord says, why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Is there not a place of love in my heart for you, Cain? If you do what is right, there will become a love between us. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Sin is vile. It is alive. It is predatory. It moves in the hearts of fallen men and women to destroy, to kill, to murder, to subdue, to take charge of, to ravish. If you look at what is identified as sin in the Scripture, you will see that what I've just described is always true of sin. This is why God will not allow sin to enter into heaven. This is why God will not allow you, if you are walking in sin, if you have not mastered it by the power of the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you cannot belong to Christ Jesus and you will not be allowed to enter into him. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and he killed him. Maybe he hit him over the head with a, a big stone. I don't know what he did to kill him, but he killed his brother. He shed his brother's blood. Now the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. Lying. Am I my brother's keeper? That's the very heart of sin. That's not love. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. 
Without a doubt, I am my brother's keeper. I am responsible to reach out in love to help every person I can, even if it means that I suffer because of my reaching out. God suffered because he reached out on Calvary that he could make a way of escape from the devil's trap of the bitterness of being my own God. The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. What do you think? What do you think? Do you think the blood of the 60 million babies that have been murdered in America since Roe versus Wade, do you think that blood does not cry out against the wickedness of man in America? The rule of Scripture was that when a man killed someone, their blood was to be shed. What would happen if God demanded in America a life for a life? and 60 million people died in America from coronavirus or some other reason. We'd say, oh, this is awful. No, that's God's judgment on sin. The wages of sin is death. And God is now bringing judgment on America. This coronavirus is not accidental. God knew all about it. He told some prophets it would come. He himself warned us that pestilence would come in the end of days and that it would be a sign that his coming was near. It would be the birth pangs of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now you are... Cain, under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wander on the earth. Cain went out from the Lord's presence, and he lived in the land of Nod. Nod is the place of beginning, always beginning, never successful, east of Eden, beginning, new beginnings, wanderer. How did he deal with that? By building a city. And that city stood in direct contrast to the city of God, the New Jerusalem. That city stands in contrast all through the scriptures to the Tower of Babel, to Babylon. One is the devil's and one is the Lord's. Now, Lemech, a descendant, decides one wife is not enough. So he takes two wives. And he says, Listen to me, Ada and Zella, wives of Lemek, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me. 
a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech seventy-seven times. Whoa, wait a minute. Do you see sin is beginning? What do you call it? Metastasize. Sin is beginning to grow. Sin is beginning to spread out in the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. Sin does not satisfy itself staying in one place. It wants everyone. And finally, I don't know how much time it took, but as man began to increase in number on the earth, daughters are born to them. The sons of God, that is, the angels of God, saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be a hundred and twenty years instead of nine hundred years. In other words, God took the charge out of the battery. So now, man will have a very short time of probation on the face of the earth. Sin brings death. It also brings a total absence of love. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Oh, what happened to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? No, good does not prosper in Satan's kingdom. Only evil prospers. The Lord was grieved that he'd made man on the earth. His heart was filled with pain. Pain only comes when you love. Pain comes from the heart of God because he loves us. He said, I will wipe mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth. Men and animals, creatures that move along the ground, birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. He walked with God. The earth was corrupt in God's sight. It was filled with violence. And the Lord had him build an ark. An ark has no propulsion of its own. It has no way to guide itself. There's no rudder. The ark was in the hand of God. You find another ark, the ark of the covenant, where the commandments of God are placed. Again, there was no rudder on that ark. Moses was placed in an ark in the bulrushes. The crocodile couldn't eat it. Instead, he was drawn out by Pharaoh's daughter, and he lived. We don't have time to go into all of that today, but I want to go now to the New Testament. I want to show you a couple of things. If you look 
at Romans, the sixth chapter, verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Chapter 7, verse 4. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we've been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. So Paul He writes in chapter 7 the description. Verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. This is before he received Jesus Christ. Sold as a slave to sin. All of us have been sold as slaves to sin. And we walk in ugliness, in darkness, in self-consuming with all of the passions. I want to go there in just a minute, but let me finish this. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if you do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am! That is the result of sin. Sin makes every person wretched, miserable, mean, filled with darkness, evil, vile. It is a process of sin metastasizing, of spreading like a cancer. So God comes in judgment. He cuts off the cancer. Because the only way the patient can live is to have the cancer removed. Sin is a cancer in the soul, and it must be removed. Would we say that God was a loving God if he did not give us a way to have the cancer removed from our soul? Would you say that God was a God of love and mercy, righteous and holy, if he gave us no way to have evil 
removed from our soul. Now there's another passage I want to take you to. It's found over here in the book of Galatians. I'm going to begin in chapter 5, verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The command of God is always going to be to love others and to love him. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under law. Now, he gives to us a list of what the sinful nature brings about. Sexual immorality. Well, what is sexual immorality? It is deciding I will pleasure myself with my body. Sex was given to form an intimate bond with a woman or with a man. A woman with a man, a man with a woman. Not men and men, not women and women. That's an utter perversion of God. But sex was given to bring a man and a woman into intimacy to produce life and to bond their hearts together as one. So the devil says, go have sex with anybody you want to have sex with. And what is the result? Well, first, diseases. Secondly, a searing of your heart, a hardening of your heart. One man said to me after many sexual encounters, he said to me, Pastor, I wake up in the morning and I don't remember the woman's name I'm lying in bed with. My heart has become so hard and so cold. I am so alone with a strange woman almost every night in my bed. I said, there's only one recourse. Get the strange women out of your bed and out of your life and get back to Jesus. But sexual immorality brings about this searing of the heart. It doesn't produce love. It doesn't produce health. It produces evil. It produces darkness, impurity, uncleanness, debauchery. I watched a video this last week of spring break in Florida, in Miami. And one woman said, I don't know how long we're going to be able to be here sitting outside at the bar, but I'm going to get as drunk as I can before they close it down. Why? Utterly wasted. That's what debauchery is. Out of your mind. Your moral code is destroyed. Idolatry. Worshipping something other than the Most High God. The life connection is 
only with the God of heaven. The life connection is a death connection to the devil and to evil and to wickedness and to sin. Witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, you are utterly separated from God. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what happens when we're connected with God. Life flows into us. We walk in the Spirit. That's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel, and I am telling you straight up, I love you. I'm crying out to God that you will see the evil of sin and turn from all sin and get victory in Jesus. I need to hear from you. This is a tough time financially. Would you please give hilariously? Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. I'd like to continue next month. That depends on you as the Holy Spirit prompts you to give. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I love you, my brother, my sister. The victory can be yours. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. 